beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Elke is someone who I met fairly recently, but she has already made a huge impact on my life. I am firstly grateful for having her in my life, and secondly, for her agreeing to sharing her spiritual journey with Meet Me in the Field. What a beautiful afternoon Elka and I spent together. We attended a CODA meeting, that is Codependent Anonymous, in the morning, then we had a lovely lunch which Elka prepared, and then we sat down for this chat, watching the sea and the children playing. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step counseling and coaching program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Alka's story. Sit back and enjoy. Alka, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hi, Freddy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the being in conversation with you and awesome. I, feel, I feel comfortable. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. And I see you kick your shoes off just as I thought I'm going to kick my shoes off. Yeah. I talk far, far more comfortably when I'm barefoot. Yeah. Even when I share and act vastly when I lectured, I took my shoes off. Really? I felt more grounded. Anyway, welcome to Meet Me in the Field. And we are sitting looking at the sea as we speak. How, how awesome is this? With loads of children playing in a pool in front of us. So... Guys, if you hear sounds, it is all beautiful young children living life in the sun outside. So um, enjoy it. You are from Germany. I am. But you also lived in Switzerland. Uh, I did, but I want to say... in New York. (laughs) I want to say something about the children first. It is very special to see these children, and there soon will be hundreds and hundreds of them to their families, the beach was closed and Absolutely. they were excluded because they're black. And they come from the, the various townships or uh, wherever in, in Cape Town and gather here. And when I see those children and, and their joy at being in water and playing and, and eating and the grandmothers just sitting there or the mm. mothers, I sometimes go across and join the grandmothers with oh, a little bit of Hossa I speak. We sit, we talk, and I before you. you know it, I'm in the pool with the kids. <laughs> awesome. That's, oh, that is great. That's hard language. I call that hard language. That's, that's beautiful. Mm. When you drive from here to Somerset West, for instance, on, yeah. on this Baden-Powell Road, or yeah. there's quite a few a kind of resorts mm. that, that's built next to, next to the beach. Yeah, there were some beaches that were open for black people and colored people during apartheid, yes. And I heard this story the other day, why? It was when the the riot started. And that was something that the white government did to to keep the natives calm, give them something that they would enjoy. This is going to be a two-hour broadcast if we go down that lane. Yeah, we're not going to go that way. It's just interesting. For instance, at the same broadcast, I learned that the guy who brought, who brought the, the, the Muslim faith and the concept of Muhammad to, to South Africa is buried in Makassar. Yeah, do you did, know? Did you know that? Yes, or, I but, do. Or, or, or his, his body's not there anymore. But I never knew it. I mean, I've been living there for how long? 
I felt like an idiot. Well, <laughs> if you go around in all the mountains that surround Cape Town, there are many graves of Muslim men and women who, who came as slaves, and some very evolved Islams, prophets, philosophers. Uh, it's an incredibly rich history one, Amazing, one could yeah. follow, yes. Yeah, I've I learned the, the apartheid history, which was very, very, very targeted to teach us just specific things. Yeah. You know, I went to varsity and I didn't know who Nelson Mandela was. I felt like such an idiot. Eventually I became honest about it and said to people, I didn't know he was. And so I'm, many I'm people glad. said, neither did we. I'm glad you were honest. Do you ask me about Switzerland, New York? Uh, it may, brought me to the children and that, that were, there's a purpose behind it. Two very significant events happened when I was young. Uh, a, f a loving family turned completely into self-destruction. Mm. So I took certain roles and learned certain patterns that I have carried through life, and we may talk about it. Um, and the other major, major um, event was to, to learn about the Holocaust. And okay. there were very, very few Germans who, who were able or wanted or could look at it, uh, at the history. It's so, one of those things it was just, just not discussed. Like apartheid. Yeah. We, we so deeply slipped into losing our humanity, the shame yeah. to look at it. My parents' generation found it extremely difficult. My generation has, has found it easier, and many do. But for me, uh, it, it set something in me about wishing to and being drawn to people who were different. Okay. I was different by seeing this, by the way. My family was, was ostracized for, for my mother having the wrong religion. Ah. And this was after Nazi Germany. I mean, it is amazing how, how stereotypes and discrimination continues. But I very early, very early uh, knew that I wanted to work in intercultural communication. Okay. And I did. What religion did you grow up with? Because you said your mother was a wrong religion. I grew up in a small village in northern Germany, a very, very contained, monochrome, conservative, Catholic, exclusive Catholic village in a, in a farming area. Oh, wow. So, uh, and my grandfather had built a sizable business, uh, so he was one of the community leaders. And as such, together with the local priest and, and some other leaders, absolute determined to maintain the status quo okay. of, of conservatism and how things would work. My father had met my mother during the, uh, the Hitler time at a, a different part of Germany, and she, everything about her was wrong. She came from a city, she was Protestant, she looked differently, dressed differently, talked differently, mm -hmm. even though she was German. The, the farmers in the village boycotted uh, or threatened to boycott my grandfather's business if, oh my word. if the children wouldn't be baptized because the, the idea my parents had agreed that both my brother, my older brother and I would have a chance to choose whatever faith yeah. we w would draw us uh, at, at whatever time, but we both were forced into being baptized. and. Um, the, uh, the bigotry of, the, of that church, uh, ostracizing my mother and then pulling us in and saying all these spiritual principles that we live by today, mm -hmm. they were completely empty and, yeah. and they were misleading. So. I hear you. Did religion resonate with you as a child? No, yeah, negatively. No. <laughs> as, a, okay. as a woman in the Catholic Church, I, either I can be a whore or a virgin, and I was neither. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> okay, yes, sir. And, and from very early on through, bless my parents, through letting me play whatever, uh, where my brother played with my, my dolls and I played with his trucks, <laughs> I, I had a chance to be and develop my talents and my creativity. I use my hands very well. My mind, I got a lot of books to read. So I have always felt as an equal to men. I have okay. never questioned that I was not equal. Oh, wow. And uh, there is no church that accepts women as equals, and I'm gay. So there is no church that accepts mm. me as a woman and as a gay woman, mm. or few. Yeah. There may be faith organizations. Yeah. So you had the additional, because I felt very, very judged in church because I'm gay. Mm. But at least I was a man. Yeah. So you had the double whammy. Yeah. I wanted to be an altar boy. They didn't want to have me. <laughs> and I went to Catholic nun girls' school, and the nuns made it very clear to me, if your mother converts, you get better notes in, 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 in a number of uh, subjects. So Are you serious? Absolute blackmail, yeah. Oh, my God, that's terrific. You know. <laughs> so you finished school in Germany, and what then? I, I went to high school uh, in a town in a in a town a little larger than our village, okay. so I had to go to our bike ride every day, two and two hours back. I did high school, finished, got matric. Bike ride. Yeah. Bicycle. Bicycle to school. You battled for two hours on your bicycle. To school. Damn it! It's pretty. You don't have children. You can say. You know. You always say that your parents said. I don't know if it's in Europe, but in South Africa, your parents always say we had to walk bare feet in the snow to school. In the well, so you can honestly say I drove for two hours by bicycle. So I see the black kids out there, and I know they they walk four hours, or the women, or the yeah. or the parents to to a train that doesn't work, and then to work. So and then they get into trouble because they're late. I I very early on I have been drawn to people who are different and different being punished and seen as less. Okay. So I'm very open to to that pain that when I recognize it in others. And, and I've, I've had to work yeah. and still, that's why we are talking also today, yes. because we're in the same program, to learn to set boundaries, but not on the account of the caring. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. Okay, sorry I interrupted you. So after, after matric, first I tried to study medicine because our mother had died and I think both my brother and I, we, we stood at her well as she was about to die and he wanted to become a psychologist to figure out what, everything, what was wrong and why we had such pain. And I wanted to become a medical doctor to fix. You know? And then it worked the other way around. He studied medicine and I studied psychology. Oh, wow. So, so how did that happen? I tried med school, and when I did the six-week in Germany, you have to do a six-week preliminary to see how a hospital works. I just, I just could not watch a doctor put a needle into anybody's flesh. I said, no, that's not for me. So oh, no. I, I knew I needed to, to focus okay. on the So thank soul. God they've got that, so that you can see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I so. love well, operations. I watch operations on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> when they cut this thing out of my leg, I insisted I wanted to sit in oh, a position where I can watch. Yeah, I watch I when they do colonoscopy. That I do. Ah. I mean, the most beautiful the most beautiful <laughs> part is our colon when it's clean. Pink, <laughs> I kiss it. I send my little one in there when, when I am tense. I yes. say, go kiss it, sing, strike. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Talk, talk about talking to yourself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So you yeah. then studied psychology in Germany? Yeah, in Düsseldorf. That's sort okay. of not too far from Frankfurt. First with a focus on industrial psychology, and then I finished with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Okay. And um, What year was that, if I may ask? 
72. Okay. I had my master's, 1972. Okay. No, so wait a moment, 70, yeah, 72, because then I, I, I took a year off, I didn't know what to do with it. I, you didn't know what to do with a master's degree in psychology? With the field, my, my professors were, I had studied at a, at, at a uh, prestigious um, uh, small institute and everybody in there would go into, into science research and academic careers. And they were after me, I'd finished very well to do the same. I took a year off, uh, no, not a year, half a year with a friend. We traveled through Spain and Morocco, mm. camped and trying to, trying to decide what to do with life. And this is, I remember I was 20, yeah, I was 23, I think. We sat at the marketplace in Sevilla on a bench and I looked at my friend. We had just been three months traveling. I said, what do you want to, what do you see your life uh, in the future unfolding? And she said, without hesitation, I want to be a therapist, have children, have a house and a garden. And she said, looked at me anew, I said, I want to work in intercultural communication all over the world. And it has worked out that way. So you knew then already. And what? What do you think triggered that for you? Well, as I said, becoming aware that different was less. Okay. Through the participation of my parents in, in the Holocaust, in the yes. killing dislocation and separation and all the brutalities against the people because of their religion yeah. or their faith and that they could not afterwards face it, work through it, show remorse okay. and seek redemption. That had a huge impact and my mother at the time also gave me books. She, the best she could say was, it doesn't have to be this way or it can be different. She couldn't face it but she gave me books about social activists okay. in different parts of the world, like Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre in France, uh, John Steinbeck, who wrote about the workers at the, at, uh, at the fish factories mm. in, in San Francisco, Perlis Park in China, and on and on. I read these books, and there I formulated a vision. That's what I want to be. I want to be okay. out there in the world and stand up for... feel a passion about the intercultural... Cool. ...or the bringing diversity together. Oh. Were you already then aware of your sexuality? I was aware, but I didn't show it, and okay. I didn't act on it. Um, I, I, I mean, it was so horrendous in my family, the violence of, of my father, the alcoholism, and the destruction, and the, the sinking into poverty. My mother just crying all the time, then getting ill with cancer and slowly dying. I, could, I did not invite... I, had, I was very open and social and outgoing, but I cut all of it out. There was no car, so I was stuck in this little village mm. with a bike. So I went a lot into nature. I rode horses. I sat forever in meadows, listened to birds. And nice. I, I went into music. Okay. I would play, especially Beethoven, means a lot to me. I would play the symphonies. And sometimes, you could call it shape-shifting, I would stand there and I was the conductor. I knew every note uh, and, oh, and conducted those symphonies. And what came from that, that, that was the hope that I could, there was a life out there that was worth living, uh, that was exciting, okay. that I could fulfill my dreams of being out in the world and being enterprising. And I, I knew I had an enterprising spirit, a curiosity, adventurism, and, and had probably had a lot to do with the role I took in my family. You know, I had to decide, do I fly? Do I fall victim or do I mm. fight? And I fought. Yeah. I fought to keep my mother alive. I fought against my father, not killing her. Uh, I took care of my brother. And, and she, 
had our mother had put us on on a track both of us of achieving education okay my brother felt completely overwhelmed by it and 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 I did well with it I mean he did well too but I felt inspired not not okay. overwhelmed so education being out in the world that was the way out okay and and you know it, I couldn't take that academic job I had oh after coming back from Morocco I gave in to my professors pushing me I took an academic job in in Switzerland uh, at one of the universities and I taught there and uh, and they pushed me to start a PhD I just couldn't the thought of living in this wholesome little country with family and they all had families and doing uh, reading endless academic papers and doing research it went against everything including my my hands who wanted to be no, active okay. and out uh, and uh, so I, i i happily accepted the invitation uh, by a woman i had met in uh, morocco to come and visit new york okay and at that time for us the americans were the saviors of freedom and mm. democracy so they at that, so that time fed into your that's a long time ago they yeah. looked that fed into my 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 vision of yes. it can be different we can embrace diversity yeah. and and really create beautiful world together i had a huge idealism still do awesome. but it, it it ran through to a point of me running out because i didn't have good boundaries yes they're coming mm. <laughs> so so i accepted the invitation i went to, to visit her in new york and uh, she was jewish black i mean colored and had german roots all all of it <laughs> It blew my mind, you know, and uh, yeah, and we lived in. Then it was called the Lower East Side, which was just the center of the Latin community, black and, and some white and artists, lots of artists, and it was everything I had read in the books and wanted. So I moved to New York, and I ended my job in 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 Switzerland, and moved to New York. Okay, and were you in a relationship then? Oh. <laughs> How long did it take? Uh, <laughs> a couple of two weeks. Okay. And we we I was I was flamingly in love for the first time in my life. Awesome. Okay. 25. Oh lovely. Oh, I thought I thought this was it for life. I I would say the color went on in my life. Yes. And um Yeah, we had a, a place together. She had two cats. Uh, I, I I began to work as a community psychologist in in, in Harlem, uh, Bronx, East Harlem, for a, a preschool educational programs. But a lot of community involvement with for so parents. So you were in your element. Completely, you know. My my partner then made a comment that that has followed me through life. Is is a centerpiece of working recovery especially in in the code codependency uh, but even more so in love addiction uh, and she said to me at some point my god you don't fight back you're you're like a child you need to be taken care of like a child emotionally hmm. and and then i didn't make much of it but then later well she began to to use the good things i had to offer and i was like a child okay i have this longing for you know i had love earlier in the in the family and and i said earlier when we had lunch uh, a lot of affection and warmth from both yes. parents and i could do and pl- play it was safe i i felt the undercurrent subconsciously but but 
the conscious memory is yeah. safe, loving, affectionate, warm. And then it began to shift when my mother lost her ways and lost herself and it began to fall away, wither, wither away, yes. and, and both emotionally giving up mm. and in cancer. And she kept on pulling me closer and closer because I was strong. Yes. My brother, okay. who had been her little anchor, he wasn't. He was he disappeared. He was never there. So she pulled me in closer and closer. I had to to be her her defender because my father had become pathologically jealous. Mm. Talk about the obsessive lover. So I always had to stand up and give an explanation, protect her, take care of her. I wrote poems. I did I did a million things to entertain her, uh, make her happy, and she would clutch me physically close. There were nights my father was out, I would stay there. And, and okay. I think today, you know, I long, long, long ago, I, I made peace with my mother, forgave her. She, yes. she had a tough life. She was a beautiful human being, broken. And, hmm. uh, but this, I also, this brought me anger, because she used me and uh, clutched me and held me, and I became a surrogate partner. Yes. That was inappropriate. But what it's it also did... It's a form of incest. Emotional incest. Yes. And, and I also think physical incest. Okay. And what it did for me is it, it created like a hot ball of longing in me that has followed me all my life. Mm -hmm. And that is what I have... I've, obsessively try to to find in relationships okay. and who do I pick as as we know we pick people who will not only not fulfill <laughs> it but hurt hurt me along the way and make the longing get stronger yes. because they're unable mm. so my first partner turned out she <laughs> she not only used can I say what she used marijuana uh, she smoked all day I tried it I didn't like what it uh, how I lost uh, mm. I didn't like what the feeling unfortunately yeah that was, that was my drug of choice yeah <sighs> I could not take to it but she did, she did everything else uh, she brought in LSD uh, uh, magic mushrooms uh, ups and downs and quail roots <laughs> and, and at that time disco was a big thing so oh, right. we would go to with a handful of drugs <laughs> shung in at midnight and when we came out at five shung a handful of drugs uh, to, to, to come you bring down no to have uh, romance and then okay. to wake up I didn't I didn't actually I tried I couldn't okay. I, I did not take to them I did take to coke okay. and I, I uh, had to give it up and I couldn't afford it and I, could, I fortunately, my addiction didn't settle there later. What do you mean that you gave it up because you couldn't afford it? Yeah, no, I... Because uh, we steal to afford it. <laughs> no. But you, you're a bad addict. <laughs> I, I, I think at the core I'm a love addict and a codependent. Okay, that, also that is my... It's just, it was just not that important. That is my absolute lifelong struggle and it has cost me dearly in yeah. every which way, mm. including self-esteem and being worn out. We, we spoke about it in the meeting today, that negative feedback that yeah. comes, the using and the promises that are not fulfilled. I lost, lost whatever self-esteem I had built up also externally through yeah. through work and successful lab business. I gave it all away. And so, still, mm. If I could quickly interrupt you there. So I'm going to take a jump to get clarity on something. 
I see my, my hand. I'm using my hands here. Um, so I've, I've been around a long time, really, so you could have <laughs> so watched how much. So you eventually it. ended up a very successful businesswoman in the communication field. Yeah. Did the lack of self-esteem drive that? No. No, no. The, so you the, didn't the, feel the, you had to prove yourself because that's invariably no, how... No, that, that, uh, that was the flame of self-esteem that was still in there from, my, from that little child that, that, you know, look at her... That, that photograph oh. where she sits on that bicycle ready to go into the world. I, I connect to her. I talk to my inner child. Yeah. You know, I've done That's a lot of SOA way. work uh, over the years. Yeah. Um, that stands for adult children of alcoholics, yeah. for those who don't know. So quickly, just to, to bring come to that point, yes. the, the, my, my first partner was not just using drugs, she was dealing drugs. Oh, and, my word. And... Um, I, I know it today. Now I see all of that today. I'm, I, I feel blessed that I did not take two drugs then. Thank I was God. really serious about the work and relating to people. I loved the work, and that saved me, I think. And so then my partner cheated on me. I packed and left. Okay. Then I felt a little sorry for myself. Here was that academic career that I'm glad I didn't take, but nevertheless, yeah, I was in, in New York subletting and... Alone and, in New York. Yeah, and I was earning very little money as a community psychologist. And I, I also got worn out being... Because uh, racism came into play. I was okay. the only white person in mm-hmm. some projects. And, 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 and a power struggle started of who should be in charge... Uh, in black communities, not a white person. Yeah. So, so I, I left. I was looking almost like now, what draws me? Yes. And um, and and I I feel at that time also, the the new age movement was very big, and I was deep deep into higher consciousness and the universe and mother universe. I went to crystal healing workshops. I went to. See psychics. I went to meditation. So you were in a in a way searching, searching yeah, for spiritual both on, on all levels. Okay, the, yes, spiritually. The unfolding. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. The, the the unfolding of self and the and and the spiritual. Where were you spiritually at that stage of of your life? I don't know what drew me to the the new age movement. It wasn't my partner. It was it must have been other people or or well higher power, or friends also. And I think also the, the beginning of the end of that relationship, feeling pain and okay. feeling, feeling uh, the ending that, that opens up to, to, to searching. Uh, I met a, at a gay event in San Francisco as part of my work. Yeah, I was by then working in the, in the telecommunications okay. sector for a big, uh, big Silicon Valley company very innovative technology you, that would travel you to were in New York still working. I lived all the okay. all, all okay. the so you never years. moved to Silicon Valley no okay. I, I flew a lot it was pleasure <laughs> okay. I love loved flying I've, I've lived in airplanes <laughs> uh, but at, at, an, at an event uh, and also also I think through gay friends in New York now that I think of it I was was guided towards the the new age movement the music healing music like I still today uh, listen to Steve Halpern, uh, chakra tuning music, for example. Okay. Went to into the, the, the on a, on a trip to Egypt into the the pyramids to listen to chanting. Oh wow! D- did crystal healing sessions, psychic past lives. Uh, read a lot of books. Oh uh, cool! Through this friend I met in San Francisco. After knowing her for three days, she said, "Your parents alcoholic?" I said, "Yes." She turned out she was a recovering alcoholic of 12 years, and she said, you sound just like a child of alcoholics. Oh, my word. 
She said, go and try and uh, go to meetings. That would be good for you. What year so is that now, though? I was 33, 34, 35, 1946 plus 30, 1970. That was early 80s. Okay. Late 70s, early 80s. Cool. So I, I went to regularly uh, ACOA or ACA meetings, became deeply involved, and went to therapy at the same time. Okay. It was so, I mean, I remember standing at, yeah, no, I was, how old was I, 37. I stood in front of people at an uh, adult children of alcoholics meeting, and for the very, very ever first time, I could speak about my shame and my guilt, about uh, my parents, how my father destroyed the house, yes. and... Uh, and how he destroyed and his ugliness towards mm. our our mother and us, the threats against life, how horrendous that was. I had never allowed, I've always pretended everything is wonderful, never shown it and performed to yeah. to prove, uh, actually like all of German society after, after Nazi Germany, created the economic miracle to show, look, we're good human beings. Yes. And we're grappling with it today. But... Yeah, I cried and cried the first three, four times of just sitting there. Awesome. And when I was asked to share, I think three quarters of the time I cried and then I talked. And when I would go home, there were moments where the pain that I allowed, it was like a, it was like a barrel that had been nailed shut, mm. full of pain and rage and anger. And the lid was coming up. And I literally had to hold on to the bed frame I thought I would just blow to smithereens feeling that was oh really It was really, really amazing. And I went to um, uh, retreats, I used to a retreats where, where we would do family sculpting. Okay. So others would play the family yes. you, you described. Ooh, that's intense, huh? And, uh, very intense. And then they would give us, for example, uh, ways to, to, to act out physically the, the rage. Like they gave us baseball bats, put pillows on, on a chair and we hit it to shreds. Uh, and therapy as a balance, because I think that the part about therapy, it, it acknowledges the, the wholeness of a person, yeah. the history, the, the mind as well. Uh, it, I felt it was a good balance to ACOA. So I'm going to interrupt you there quickly. Your psych- psychology background, did that enhance your recovery in that aspect or did you feel there was knowledge that you couldn't apply or you shouldn't apply or did you not bring your qualification into your recovery at all? That's possible. Yeah, the, the kind of psychology I had studied uh, was, was uh, empirical research. So I, it was scientific research. Okay. So it, it, it gave me no answers to my, okay, to my cool. inner questions. Right. I later on through my work and further reading and study, uh, working, not studying, but, but self-development. You know? I'm very drawn to psychology and all my partners were psychologists and my closest friends are psychologists. You know? mm-hmm. But they practice as therapists. You know? Yes. The understanding of self, the, the way we humans are, function, it, it's always been, I've never shied away from it, okay. I wanted to know. Cool. But what came out of this intense time of uh, facing and speaking and working, we didn't work the 12 steps. I remember, I don't know why, in ACOA. And the one thing I didn't work either was my love addiction. Okay. And naming it 
and naming a codependency. It came up, but uh, or or I relapsed in a major way, either either. But it, so it, those things came up at that stage already. No, love no. addiction didn't. Okay, it, it it has come up here now, all these okay. years later, that I really, really face it, name it, own it, yes. uh, own it as a, as a uh, dysfunction. And and, and, and codependency at that stage was that known already as a. What do we call it? Um, well, we we had uh, Al-Anon and HOA, but there were no codependency okay. meetings at the time. Because they started late 80s, am I yeah, right? Yeah, so it, it didn't become a, a defined and spoken uh, a program for me, a recovery program for me. But therapy and ACA helped me to, 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 to feel, to center on my strength, to strengthen my, my self-esteem, my self-worth, and, and, and how, that's how higher power works. And to open All that barrel. Phew. Awesome. Well, what went in was, was, was joy of life. Awesome. And what went in was self-esteem. Yes. Plus, plus, I must say this before you, I know you want to ask a before question. Before you interrupt me again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know that my higher power, God, you know, I say, I call God the beloved. No? Ah, lovely. Yeah, love. That's, uh, it, it, that's, that's. That's the plan for me to to live it and to work it, but has my higher power has always at key junctures in life brought God's little helpers or angels or whatever you want to call it. Awesome. Pl- many, 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 and so it was with with this friend, uh, this uh, uh, alcoholic, uh, recovered recovering alcoholic of twelve years, my therapist. I felt so strengthened, and I've touched so much my passion. And it brought people into my life who introduced me to the books, again, Alvin Toffler, The Third Wave. And, and this future trends analyst showed what computing would do combined with networking where everybody can communicate with anybody yes. else because that didn't exist at that time. Before, people would either make a phone call or send a telex. Yeah. So I was drawn and of course, the job came open, and I entered this this unbelievably exciting field, and I had the strength to, to in the absolute passion, because it was intercultural communication too. But how did you get the job? I mean, you weren't exactly qualified for the tele- telecommunication. I was higher power. <laughs> I was working as a night operator in a telex company to to make some money on the side. I was like looking for a new way, and I was taking on jobs, and and a guy was coming to sell a new new telex systems, and he saw me, talked to me, and said, "Come work for us." Oh, they wow. were they were the, the French telecommunications company based in the U.S. and beginning to to open up these uh, these these global networks. I liked the guy. I, I interviewed. I got the job. It was a sales job. Uh, I did incredibly well, and and uh, this company was bought by by the Silicon okay. Valley. Oh wow! Advanced right place, right time, high power stuff. Yeah, all, all the <laughs> way through. And and I just did incredibly well because I loved, cool. and and I believed in it. It was my passion. It was intercultural communication. It was flying, bringing. Bringing different what I what I done to fix my mother and fix take care of the house everything came to work all my time. <laughs> all yeah. your skills to, to yeah. just fit in perfectly. Yeah, I didn't drink. I didn't take drugs. I drank. I have to say, intensely, but functioningly so. Okay. 
when relationships didn't work or okay. in between like when life shifts happened and for me life shifts were always most of the time related to relationships okay. not working out that's where drugs um, alcohol drugs only uh, just the last six years later okay. in my life no? but it, it's honest we know because mm -hmm. the, the codependency and that love addiction and the the diminishing yeah my last relationship so completely wore me out Freddie and doubly so not just my love addiction and codependency but my guilt to be a descendant of perpetrator society yes. German came full force so mm. I I tried to rescue Jewish people but since I couldn't rescue my my, my parents then I tried to rescue black people nothing worse than just us trying to rescue somebody doesn't need rescuing ah it's awful so now through the telequication field you become very successful successful don't don't make it very <laughs> I did well you did well and were you still into the new age stuff then because now from an earlier conversation I get the feeling materialism started kicking in where was spirituality in this stage of your life I, I think psychology has spirituality the wishing to understand oneself and you're always person. connected with that yeah that is spirituality yeah. too and I would Absolutely. always read read books uh, okay proving that I could be successful and the power that comes with having money and and staying in posh places and cars and whatever houses feeling so ashamed how how my family disintegrated to poverty I had to prove something I think that I could do it no and I had a partner in Europe she was in the same business as I was by then I had my own business but we could never talk about spirituality and about yeah to me you nature mother universe I would I would often go into nature and listen and 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 know about a power greater than myself I okay. could sit I could sit and watch birds I did this since very young the music Beethoven yes that was the spirituality and nature those were my sanctuaries and my sanity cool. and I connected to that even even at the time of uh, being so focused on on uh, status and, yeah. and and money power oh, okay my partner could not go there at all and that was part of why that broke up the okay. relationship yeah. was the workalism sure I worked around the clock okay so so work was another form of addiction my, my, in my life uh, few things have ever been really well balanced okay. I have gone gone like this like and I'm, I'm drawing a, a sinus curve here <laughs> yes. um, and uh, I mean, I made this point to you uh, that I, after after a year of a year milestone and, and being sober and clean, I felt I'd done it. The excitement was gone. I'd refinished the project, and I was ready for a new excitement, yes. a new thrill, and booked the trip to New York. No? And yeah. then my higher power fortunately kicked me in the back. And Thank and God for that. <laughs> and I am practicing. Not with obsession, workaholism to be successful. I mean, I love the thrill of it, and I don't know how much of that is wrong and how much of it is not. It's all learning. But I feel I'm, for the first time, consciously hunkering down, is not even a word, sitting down to work a step by step by step balance with all the unthrilling or unexciting moments of, of being a 
if I don't work my morning ritual, my diet doesn't feel right. And that yeah. is rolling out of bed on my knees, praying, stretching, journaling, walking. And, and throughout the day, I say certain prayers. I like one was like step 11 has been added to my serenity oh. prayer. Now <laughs> pray for the knowledge of God's will or plan for me and the courage. Strength to carry it out, yes. So I, I listen to that, but I also cool. I also follow f- uh, the the trust and go into control. That's been a lifelong pattern. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing is an amazing sp- spiritual connection right through your life. Mm. But it does feel as if your recent being brought to your knees really enhanced that for you. The last year of your life, for instance, has really increased your connection with spirituality and with spiritual practices a lot more. Am I correct? And I can, to sum it up, yeah, I can, I can, I can really say this very directly and very clearly. I was heading for the wall. I'm 72 years old. People say, why did you bother going? I had abused uh, uh, opiate pain medication. And that was, was often re- operation, am I right? Yeah, but I kept at it. No? I yeah. used it. I used it to, to to create false vitality and not deal with with okay. whatever I needed to look at. And it was a higher power. God stepped in one day and and showed me. Uh, you can call it energy or a higher power moment or an inner voice, whatever you yes. want to call it. Not that way. My way. It was very very clear. And the, the, when I looked that way, the energy I felt that incredible. I mean, an overwhelming beauty, it did force me on my knees. And it made me realize that my brother died, not in peace, but in resentment. So did my parents and all of them before. And as I worked step 11, I understood. As I started working the program, I understood my power's plan for me, as old as I am doing this now. Fabulous. Break that transgenerational yes. trauma. Make peace with the people, with yourself, with me, higher power, mm-hmm. with the people, work the program, be of service. That's my plan for you. And and, and, and here's the message I got. Uh, surrender. Oh. Yeah. My way, not your way. And what you see of me, higher power says, what you see is who you are. Ah. That Freddy is very, very, very beautiful. Now I I I look to honor I, I look to honor that that gift of my higher power every day. I fail. Lots of times, but that's the plan, and that's that that keeps me motivated. That's to keep beautiful. Going. Yeah, that's it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, I don't know how to say thank you because it feels like such a special time that we've spent together now. So, a thank you will have to do because I don't have other words. <laughs> you know, words sometimes, as you and I sitting here and and sharing, I I wouldn't open otherwise. Awesome. Feeling safe with you and trusting me because you you are you are an incredibly kind and humble person, Thank and you. I've seen this in you <laughs> in the meetings. You've offered your your wisdom, your love to me, generously to to, to guide me. I'm. Uh, <laughs> you might me feel embarrassed, yeah. <laughs> me, I, no, I feel I feel a lot of love for you and awesome. a lot of gratitude. So. Thank you. Thank you. Have an awesome afternoon. I realize a lot of what Alka and I discussed is quite close to her heart. 
but also significantly personal. I feel so lucky that we got to hear Elka's spiritual journey. And what a journey it is. The great thing is that it is not even close to finished yet. Elke is really finding her feet and getting her confidence back through working the various programs which she's engaged in. I love the fact that we went from Germany to Switzerland, then to the US and the UK, only to end up in South Africa. All the geographical journeys are closely linked to a significant sense of spirit, which seems to have either grown or waned, depending on her personal situation. But one thing is true. This all significantly contributed to the beautiful soul we met today. I am excited to see how she decides to apply her energy, knowledge and experience for the betterment of mankind. Watch this space. Alka's book, Can We Talk? While I listen, The Journey Towards the Healing Power of Dialogue is available on Amazon.com. I have a link to it on my website if you are interested in buying one. Alka also has a website, www.alkageising.co.za, which you may want to visit to see more about what she does, and I am sure she will update it on the projects she is, playing, she is planning for the future. I am so sorry that we didn't even get to discuss her book on this podcast. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or Freddy van Rensburg or on Twitter at, at Rensburg Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank Alka for her time and her beautiful energy she brought to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.